Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 47 The Demon Fear shivered across my shoulder and down my spine. The reek of the abattoir thickened in my throat. I stood up slowly, like a man confronted by a rabid dog. My lungs ached from the lack of breath. I took a step back towards the slope. The demon grinned but remained stationary. I took another step. Listen, the creature said in a not unreasonable tone. If I was interested in killing you, you would already be dead. With that, the creature blurred, vanished, and reappeared a yard in front of me. They bent down and picked up the woman's foot and dropped it in a large hessian sack. You go back down there and wait for me. It'll only take a few moments to clean this up. Don't try and run away though. I'll catch you before you've gone an inch. Speed is one of my specialities. On the other hand, my special weakness is a love of meeting new people, shooting the breeze. Sometimes, if they are suitably interesting, letting them live. The creature smiled and opened its mouth revealing long, thin and sharp teeth like a rack of miniature boning knives. I turned, ran down the slope. I did not get far. In my panic, I did not see the hole I had ripped into the soil during the night. My foot caught in it and I fell heavily. An arm hooked itself around my waist and stopped me from slamming into the ground. I turned to find myself skin to naked skin with the demon. She smelled faintly of death. I told you I was fast. The cleaning is all done. Now we can sit down and chat. The creature released me and lowered itself onto the grass. I walked a few feet away. The air was clearer and I could finally breathe, but a fist of tension still twisted in my gut. I turned and looked at the sitting demon. Beside her were three large, bulging hessian sacks. The sacks were tied with twine at the top and had dark, damp patches at the bottom. Stenciled in red on each of them was a legend, Reduce, Reuse, Recycle. I can only talk for a moment, I said, trying to work out an escape strategy even as I sat down. Why? I'm being hunted. Don't be silly. There's nothing here to hunt you. Well, apart from myself. I am being hunted, I tell you. And I tell you, there are no hunters bar me. 
not a wolf, not an alligator, not even a mosquito to suck your blood. The boss likes to keep the place clear of that kind of clutter. I pointed at the sacks. Who killed those people then? Oh, that! That was the evil fox. They do have another name, but it's long, and I can never get the pronunciation correct. But evil fox sums them up in a pithy way. They're great at killing, but I'm not sure I would credit them with being hunters. They lack the capacity for long-term planning, have minuscule memory span, In short, they're as thick as two short planks. I encountered them earlier, I replied, trying not to let anger shape my conversation, trying to focus on tactics. They did not seem dumb then. They made illusions, beautiful, alluring, tempting visions. The demon flicked her free hand in a dismissive manner. Oh yeah, they're great at illusions. It's just an instinct thing. They emit illusions the way I emit farts. The creature made a wafting gesture in front of its nose. What I saw, I explained passionately, was more than just a pretty image. It moved me, touched me deep inside. It was wonderful to experience, peaceful. So is masturbating. Don't call for much thought though. The evil fox are simple creatures. They just like maiming and killing anything that moves, including us demons if they can catch us. Sometimes they just grab a victim and gobble it up. Sometimes they like to play with their food, stalk it for a bit, let it think it can escape, then pounce and munch munch. Sometimes they do that subtle illusion shit, make the food come to them all happy or horny, giving out hormones that change the flavour ever so slightly. They eat demons. Shit, yeah. Captain Arrow says it keeps us on our toes. It's beneficial, he says. Fuck's sake. Sounds just like the captain. The demon leaned forward a little and scrutinised me. You know Captain Arrow? Before he came here, I said, we were colleagues. No big deal. I kept the details vague. Worried the conversation was going in a bad direction. You knew him, but you ended up here as a food source. We had unresolved issues, I explained with a smile. Then quickly added, does he control the evil fox? The demon carried on subjecting my face to a close inspection. I knew I had said too much. This creature was far more dangerous than any savage monstrosity. She did not act on instinct and short-term needs and hunger. As her great, round, unblinking eyes continued to stare at me, I understood this was a being that calculated odds, weighed up options, made strategies, and never, ever forgot anything. Not for one fucking moment. I don't think so. She finally said, but he can come and go here as he pleases and they never harm him. 
He's Melchizedek's deputy. The demon looked away from me, and I thought I saw an expression of fear briefly touch her face. But when she turned her gaze to me, her features were relaxed, as if she'd made a decision. I figured it was time for us to part company, but I'd still no idea how to escape. I still think you underestimate the evil fox, I said. The demon laughed. Move on. This conversation is over. I have a job to do and a quota to fill and then maybe a snack at break time. She licked her lips and winked at me. I refuse to take the hint. I tell you, I said, the creatures I encountered had subtlety, intellect. Let it go, human. I've told you all you need to know. They are brainless. They see something move and they want to destroy it or eat it because that will make them happy. But then they see something else, get distracted and off they go to kill that instead because that will make them happy. There's no thought involved. They just lumber around unfocused, unthinking, living in the moment and distracted by anything that catches their limited attention. A bit like toddlers, I laughed. Like what? demanded the demon. Toddlers, young human children, when they first learn to walk, they just stumble around happy enough, see one thing and wobble over to it, get distracted by another, then sit down grinning at a snail for a couple of hours. Toddlers. As I spoke, I observed a remarkable series of emotions come and go across the demon's face. Annoyance, humour, reflection, sorrow, and lastly a terrible rage. The creature stood up, kicked one of the hessian bags. There are no snails here, no snails, no fish, no dogs, no birds, no toddlers, no clutter whatsoever. She kicked the hessian bag with ever greater ferocity. It was only a matter of seconds before she turned that rage on me, yet it seemed to me that her fury had something pathetic about it. It was time for a gamble. What had I to lose? My life? The creature turned to me, panting hard, her pale orbs now ignited with red sparks. There may be no snails or wolves, I said, choosing my words oh so carefully. But there are butterflies. I should know. I saw one, barely a mile from here. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of Marcus Marcus and the Hot and Heart. If you liked it, please tell your your friends, your family, your ancient enemies. Stay tuned for future episodes. And mind, look after yourselves and those around you. Keep your distance, wash your hands, wear your face masks. And if you want to support the podcast and all the other work I do, 
you can buy me a coffee. The details are in the episode notes.